ever been in the dark? On a sunny day like this, maybe we shouldn't be uh, talking about darkness, but maybe at some point, I'm guessing in your life, maybe the electricity went off during a storm, or uh, you're, you got up in the middle of the night, uh, and uh, no lights were on, and there's no nightlight, and, and I mean, it's just dark, and you've probably experienced that. You know uh, what that experience is like. People get scared in the dark, because they can't see what's all around. There could be monsters in the dark. There's probably monsters under your bed. Kids have left, right? They're, okay, so Sorry. There's not any monsters, I promise. No monsters. Uh, I've, I, I don't know about you, I'm probably the only one. I've injured myself in the dark, stubbed toes, uh, a bruised nose. I remember once my brother was chasing me through the house, whole other story, and I, uh, I, I ran up the stairs and around the corner to dive through the, the, the dark doorway into my room to, to safety, and uh, as I dove into the room to safety, I realized that I'd closed my door earlier, and I did not... I did not uh, anticipate that, and uh, there's that bruised nose. Uh, another time, I remember walking through uh, a dark hallway, and you know your arms out in front so you don't hit anything. And there was a, a closet door open that was, you know, my hands kind of missed it, and just you know, right, right there. Uh, and um, I'm probably the only one that has had trouble like that. In the, but we can get into all kinds of trouble in the dark, right? We also use this term in the dark. Uh, we say that someone is in the dark when they, when they don't understand what's going on, right? We, we might try to shield someone from certain information by keeping them in the dark. We can, we can get in all so, sorts of trouble that way too. If we, if we don't understand what's really going on, uh, we're, we're in the dark and there's some trouble we can get into there. We use the imagery of darkness to describe something that is uh, evil or wicked or sinister. We, we might refer to a, a movie that deals with, with death and destruction or, or uh, maybe a horror movie or something like that. And we say, it's, oh, that's a, that's a dark movie. They even, uh, they even say that there's, uh, um, there's a side of the, of the internet, right? That's the dark web where we, uh, we don't want to go, right? We use darkness to refer to evil and sin. We also use the imagery of darkness when we talk about things like depression or, or fear or anxiety. There's a, there's a lack of light in our lives when there's a lack of hope in our lives. And we call it the dark night of the soul. Being in the dark can refer to uh, uh, mental health issues that, that we face. And, and all of those types of darkness are woven through the Gospels. And I believe that we see it come to head on that first Easter morning. John chapter 20 verse 1 says this, Early in the, on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. I love how the gospel writers give vivid descriptions of, of the, the settings of the, the life and ministry of Jesus. They, they give us wonderful clues as to the exact time of day and the place and the environment. I hope that, that, that when you read scripture, that uh, you take the time to picture the scene, maybe place yourself there and, and, and walk through it. And, and what does it look like? And what does it sound like? And I, I don't know, what does it smell like? And, and, uh, and try to, try to let it come alive that way. But a lot of times, the, the gospel writers describe the scene and, and they describe the physical aspects, sure, but they also are not just telling all those physical things, but there's some underlying meaning there too. Here in John's resurrection narrative, we, we see that, that Mary went to the tomb early in the morning while it was still dark, so physically that means what it says, right? The, the sun hadn't come up yet. 
But, but even in that description, we see that there's also a connotation of some other aspects of, of darkness that I believe John had in mind. I'm sure that, that she came to that, the, the tomb that day, that morning, disillusioned as to who Jesus really had been, wondering what was going on, depressed, grieving. And those same themes, I believe, are seen in many of the characters around Jesus in the Gospels. One name that comes to mind is Nicodemus. Uh, John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night. Interesting that we would get that detail. Nicodemus was curious as to who Jesus was, so he came at night. He came in the dark uh, trying to get some answers. If, if we had time today, we could walk through this discourse between Jesus and, and Nicodemus in John chapter 3, and we'd see this, this notation of Nicodemus coming at night after dark, uh, and it's, it's more of a designation of time. Because Nicodemus sure was, was coming to Jesus in, in secret uh, at nighttime, didn't want anybody to know, but, but he was also literally in the dark when it came to understanding who Jesus really was. He, he, didn't, he didn't understand what Jesus had come to accomplish. Jesus explained things to him, talking about starting life over again, being born again, and he kind of went over Nicodemus' head, and, and, and he talked about forgiveness and grace, and all of that comes from God's great love for us. That verse, John three sixteen comes out of this, this uh, uh, conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. But we get the indication in the story that when Nicodemus left Jesus that night, he was still in the dark. He didn't quite get it still. He didn't understand. I want us to also consider Judas. Uh, Judas thought that he was doing the world a big favor by turning Jesus over to the Pharisees. He thought that Jesus needed to establish his kingdom right then and there. He thought Jesus was spending too much time in, in doing things that didn't matter, wasting money on people and things that weren't necessary. Judas thought that he'd force the issue and make a few bucks in the process. And in the upper room, as they were all gathered together for that last supper, Jesus predicted that someone would betray him. Uh, then, I'm not sure whether it was pizza or not, although I, I kind of like that video there, but Jesus, uh, uh, I know they had bread and something to dip it in, because Jesus took the bread and he dipped it in the, in the bowl, in the sauce, as Judas did at the exact same time. He looked into Judas's eyes and he said, what you are about to do, do quickly. And then the next verse is interesting. John chapter 13, verse 30 says, As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Again, very interesting that John would include that detail. It was night. He didn't have to say that. We, we already know this was an evening meal. Uh, they were, they were, it was getting late. Uh, John made sure to tell us that it was night when Judas went off to betray Jesus in order to communicate the sin in Judas's heart and the foreboding of the situation, right? This, this passage also says, as Judas proceeded with his plans, that Satan entered into him. Judas went to the religious leaders. He got his 30 silver coins, and he led them uh, to this man, Jesus, who he'd been following for the past three-plus uh, years of his life. Judas was truly in the dark, the darkness of sin mixed with the darkness of misunderstanding and, and missing, missing out on, on what was really going on. And it was night, not just outside, but in Judas's own heart and soul. The darkness was so great for Judas that later he saw no hope and, and he hung himself. Nicodemus in the dark, Judas 
in the dark. Let's, let's think about Peter for a minute. Peter was one of Jesus' closest companions. He was a, the first to acknowledge that Jesus was the Christ, the son of the living God. He spent extended time with Jesus. He was present when Jesus was transfigured, saw him dazzling white and glowing and, and, and recognized who he was. He'd walked on water with Jesus. Jesus has designated Peter as the rock on whom I will build my church. I mean, Peter was arguably the closest to Jesus of, of any of his disciples. And yet, Peter was still in the dark. Just as Jesus had predicted, Peter turned tail and ran when the soldiers arrested Jesus and took him away. Then in the outer courts of the trial, uh, when asked repeatedly if he was a Jesus follower, Peter vehemently denied it, swearing it wasn't true. And in the wee small hours of that first Good Friday morning, while it was still dark, as the rooster crowed, Peter experienced the darkest darkness he had ever known. He went out from the courtyard and wept bitterly, Scripture says. He had let Jesus down. Throughout that day, Jesus was wrongly accused and tortured and mocked and beaten and crucified. And as he hung on that cross, the life literally slipping from his body, we read in Matthew twenty-seven forty-five, from noon until three in the afternoon, Darkness came over all the land. That three hours of darkness wasn't just a quirk of nature. It just didn't happen to be at that exact same time. Uh, That darkness signified the darkness of sin and death as Jesus died for all humanity. I I can't imagine having put my hope in following Jesus uh, and all that he'd promised. The kingdom that that, that he was going to bring. And, And then watching all those events unfold, culminating with his death on a criminal's cross. It would have been... It would have been too much to comprehend. I mean, if I was standing there watching this unfold, having followed him for years, I would have just anticipated, well, he's going to break out of this at any minute, right? I mean, he's going he's to uh, come down from that cross and put these people in their place. Surely it's not going to end this way. But it did. There was no more hope. All was lost. It was dark. It was dark as Joseph of Arimathea asked if he could bury Jesus. It was dark as they lowered his lifeless body from the cross. It was dark as they wrapped him in spices and burial clothes. It was dark as they labored to take him to Joseph's tomb and they laid him there. And it was dark as Mary Magdalene and the others watched as the boulder was rolled into place, sealing the grave. And early in the morning on the first day of the week... While it was still dark, those women came back to the tomb. They came not to celebrate, but to mourn and to continue to care for Jesus' body after the the hasty preparations on Friday evening. They didn't come with hope. There was no hope left. It was still dark. It, It was a darkness of confusion and dread and disappointment. It was indeed a dark night of the soul. And maybe you've been there and maybe you are there. Maybe like Judas, you've done the unthinkable and betrayed Jesus. Or like Peter, you've denied knowing him or you've let him down. Or maybe like Nicodemus, you've been searching for answers, but you're confused and disillusioned and not quite sure which end is up or down. Or or maybe like those women, like Mary, you, you just don't quite understand. It seems like God has let you down. He hasn't come through. Or you've let him down. You don't think he'll forgive you. Maybe, maybe it's still dark on this Easter morning too. Can I just say, 
on this Easter Sunday morning that, that God does some of his best work while it is still dark. God does some of his best work while it is still dark. Even in the dark, God does miraculous things. During those hours after Jesus died, when all seemed lost and bleak, God was at work. God was bringing about an amazing transformation. He raised his son Jesus from the grave. The disciples, the women, they didn't have any idea what God was up to. And yet, while it was still dark, the light was coming. Each of, each of the four Gospels describes this scene a bit differently from different perspectives, and, and we get different details from each one. This is how, how Matthew summarized that morning, Matthew 28, starting in verse 2. It's, he says, there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he's risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. I love this this mind-blowing scene. I love what the angel said. I know that you're looking for Jesus. Isn't that where we are today in some capacity as we come to Easter Sunday morning service? We're looking for Jesus. Whether you feel like you're still in the dark or, or you've been following him for years, we're, we're all here looking for Jesus in some capacity, especially on, on Easter Sunday. We need him in the middle of our darkness, in the middle of hopelessness, in the middle of our joy, in the middle of our anxiety, in the, in the middle of the, the, the ups and downs of life. We need Jesus, I love what the angel said. I know that you're looking for Jesus, but isn't it great that they didn't find him there, right? Things would have been completely different if the angel had said, I know you're looking for Jesus. Come on in, here he is. Let me, let me show you. It would have been a whole different story, and I don't think we'd be doing this today. But, but the angel didn't say that. He not only knew that they were looking for Jesus, but he invited them to come and experience the resurrection, Right? Come and see the place where he used to be, but he's not there anymore. He's not here. He's risen. Later, they would encounter the risen Christ, and the lights turned on for them in those moments of looking for Jesus and experiencing the resurrection for themselves. And maybe on this Easter Sunday morning, if it's still dark for you, maybe I can, I can assure you whether it's discouragement or regret or unconfessed sin, let me say it again, God does his best work while we're still in the dark. And then let me invite you to come and experience the resurrection for yourself. Jesus brings life out of death, hope out of discouragement, light out of darkness. He is risen. There is hope. There is forgiveness. There is love that knows no measure. All of it hinges on the fact that Jesus is alive and it doesn't have to be dark anymore. Father God, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for Easter and all that it means. Lord, we, we, we pray that, uh, uh, that, that you would do your work in this place, in our hearts, online, uh, wherever we find ourselves today, that we would be open to you. 
Lord, I, I pray that, that, that we can sense your direction in our lives and that we wouldn't push you away or, or just uh, get ready to go experience the, the rest of the day with Easter baskets and a ham dinner, but, but that we would recognize that you want to do your work in our hearts and lives. We celebrate you and we acknowledge you and we want to, we want to express our faith and our commitment to you today. In Jesus' name.